0: Well, good morning I am so blessed to be here this morning I uh, about a year and a half or two years ago when I was first raising support to come to the go to the Philippines as a missionary uh, I grew up in Richmond by the way uh, ra- born and raised in Richmond and uh, grew up in church all my life and so about two years ago when I started raising support a good friend Coy Hansen uh, who I worked with at the time uh, in Richmond he invited me to come out on a Sunday morning and so my dad and I uh, came out for worship and, and I filled out a visitor's card and the next day Pastor Tom gave me a call and uh, I told him that I was a missionary preparing to go to the Philippines and and uh, he asked me to come and talk to him and so we sat down and talked for a few hours and that was the, the start of a really great relationship, a really great friendship. Uh, Pastor Tom has been a huge inspiration to me, been very encouraging Uh, For me along the way. The Lord knows it's not always easy uh, moving to a foreign country, and uh, Pastor Tom has been there and encouraging me, and uh, it's always great when I'm in the Philippines. Every now and then, I'll get a message or an email from Pastor Tom and just say, I'm praying for you, you know, and uh, thinking about you, and and, uh, that's been awesome, and I got to meet Pastor Eric this morning, and uh, I already know that he's going to be a huge blessing in in my uh, walk in, in the mission field, and so Like I said, or like Pastor Eric said, I'm a missionary in the Philippines, uh, Manila, Philippines. I moved there about a year and a half ago, and uh, a short testimony about how I got there, uh, about six years ago, when I was 17, I went on a two-week mission trip to the Philippines, and uh, I actually didn't even want to go on that mission trip, and my parents, and my dad is in the back. He came with me to worship this morning, and and uh, my parents kind of talked me into it, and my pastor at the time talked me into it. And uh, I, I went. I went for two weeks to the Philippines. And when I was there, I fell in love with the Philippines. I fell in love with the ministry. I fell in love with the mission field. And so I remember when I was there, I came back, and I, uh, my parents asked me how it went, and I, I just said, I'm going to move there one day. And uh, they said, okay. And I actually, when I was in the Philippines, I was saying, I'm going to move here and and they were saying, No, you gotta go back and finish high school first. I, I know. But I I'm gonna I'm gonna move there one day. And so I came back and I was just seventeen and and uh kind of forgot about it for a few years and when I was nineteen or twenty the Lord started talking to me again and, and uh pulling me in that direction and so I prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about it, prayed about it some more and then some more. And then, uh, and then uh yeah, one more time to make sure uh, and I was sure that God was calling me to the Philippines to full-time missions. And so in October of 2015, I surrendered to that call and uh, started raising support, started raising financial support and prayer support to, uh, to move to the Philippines. And the original plan was that I would go there for a year or a year and a half because that's how long the visa will allow me to stay there as an American. And so the plan was to go there, kind of do a long-term mission trip, learn and and do whatever the Lord wanted me to do and then come back to America and pray about it and see where he brought me after that. And uh, so in June of 2016, I left, uh, bought a one-way ticket to the Philippines, and within a week or two weeks, I was 100% certain that that was where I needed to be, not for six months, not for two weeks, not for a year. Uh, it was really where I am supposed to be. Uh, and so that's really exciting. It's very exciting, uh, very peaceful to know that that's where you know you're doing what God really wants you to do, without a doubt, beyond the shadow of a doubt. Uh, I'm doing what God wants me to do, so it's very exciting, and uh, the Lord just keeps blessing me over and over and over and over again. and And so my, my visa recently was about to expire, and uh, I knew that I wanted to stay, and I was called to stay in the Philippines for much longer than a year and a half. So I came back here about a month and a half, a month a ha- month and a half ago, uh, to raise some support. Uh, So I can stay for longer than a year and a half. And so I'm here until February. I I think I'll leave February 8th and go back to the Philippines. And my goal is to raise $18,000 while I'm here. And what that'll do is uh, when I go back, I'll actually be on a missionary visa because I'm going to Bible school um, in February when I get back. And so that'll allow me to stay for two years. So $18,000 will pay for my ministry. It'll pay for my uh, rent. It'll pay for my transportation. Everything that I need For two years to stay in the Philippines, Uh, that's what I'm working on raising while I'm here for four months. And so the Lord's blessing me every day um, in all kinds of ways, financially and in in other ways. You know, the Lord is is blessing me constantly and it's exciting and it's been a very fruitful and exciting time here and been... uh, to spend time with my family, my family lives here, and so it's been a great time. But I'm excited to get back and see what the Lord is going to do when I get back in the Philippines. So, what I do in the Philippines, my ministry is you know, we all know that God kind of has a funny way of bringing us into different ministries, and uh, that's what I'm going to talk about today. Because about a month and a half ago, when I came back, I met with Pastor Tom and I told him all my stories, all the crazy things that God uh, was doing, and the crazy things I was experiencing. There were two specific stories. That, that Pastor Tom was really excited about, and he wanted me to uh, share those specific stories with you today. Uh, I think that he knew that God was going to speak to you through these stories. And so what I do in the Philippines, my main focus is uh, student ministries and disaster relief ministries. And so I uh, spend a lot of time in Manila uh, is the city is about it's the capital of the Philippines, and it's about the size of Wayne County and Henry County. If you put those two together, it's about the size of Manila, and um, and there's uh, over 150 college campuses in in that city. And um, it's the most densely populated, the second most densely populated country in the world. All the Philippines, uh, seven thousand islands put together, is about the size of Indiana. There's 140 million people in the Philippines. There's about seven million people in, in Indiana. So imagine the size of Indiana <laughs> with that many people. Wow. Um, and most of those people are young people. In the early to mid-90s, there's a baby boom when the dictator Marcos was overthrown. And so there's a huge baby boom. So the majority of those people, of those 140 million people, are young people about my age. And uh, so the thing about the Philippines is about 86% of the population are Catholic because the, the Spanish um, colonized the Philippines for 300 years. And so it's tradition to be Catholic. Followed by that is 8% Muslim. Only 1% of 140 million people in the Philippines are born again Christians. So there is a major, major need uh, in the Philippines. And, and the exciting thing is, is there's tradition, and tradition is hard to break. But we know that God breaks barriers every day, right? Yeah. We know that. And the exciting thing and it's, it's, it's interesting to see the young people have the same problem as young people have here, wherein they're very rebellious. But it's interesting how God's using that rebellion because they're rebellious against the tradition and they're looking for other things and they're seeing what we're teaching and they're seeing what we're saying. And so they're looking, you know, they're, they're looking uh, and they're, they're hungry for the word and they're, they're receiving the word. And uh, it's awesome. It's exciting. We see young people come to Christ literally every day. Awesome. Uh, literally every day. These, 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 these people, they believe in God. They just have the wrong idea of salvation. And they know it's the wrong idea. And they're looking for the right idea. They just need someone to tell them the right idea. Yeah. Okay. And there's a lot of cults also in the Philippines. That's a big problem. Uh, the biggest one would be Iglesia ni Cristo means a church of God. Church of Christ. And uh, it's just, you know, all kinds of problems with that. And, And again, the young people's tradition and young people know this isn't right. And they're looking for real salvation and a real relationship. And they're finding out they can pray to God by themselves. They can read the Bible by themselves. And it's awesome. It's, 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 it's amazing. So, so we're focusing on going to these campuses and making disciples. In our church that I work with in the Philippines, we have four churches throughout Manila, and we have 18 different college campuses uh, that are represented by young people in our church. So we're focusing on making disciples out of these young people, sending them to their campuses, and making more disciples. Just loving people. That's really what we do. We just love people, show them God, show them salvation, and make disciples and build the kingdom of God, because that's what else would we do? That's why we're here, right, Pastor Eric? And uh, and so the other thing is disaster relief. Uh, I run a disaster relief foundation called Mountain Movers. And uh, so I went to school when I was 18 to be an EMT. And um, And so at the time, I thought I wanted to be a firefighter. And again, it's kind of crazy how God works, because in Indiana, you can't be a firefighter until you're 21. But when I was 18, I said, well, I'll go get my EMT license now. That way, when I turn 21, I'll, I'll become a firefighter, no worries. Well, by the time I turned 21, I was living in the Philippines. And so, <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, I kind of wasted some money and some time, you know, getting this uh, certification, and this license. Well, it turns out there's a huge need for uh, that kind of knowledge and that kind of training in the Philippines. And so... Uh, I kind of stumbled across this organization that needed someone with this training, with this disaster training and first aid training to kind of run this organization. And so in the Philippines, we have all kinds of disasters. We have natural disasters, uh, man-made disasters. We have wars. We kind of stay out of the wars, but uh, we let the military do all that. But we have typhoons and earthquakes and volcanoes and all kinds of stuff. And and so the problem is in the Philippines is there isn't uh, anyone to help and so there will be these huge typhoons and whole cities or whole towns are wiped out. And um, a lot of people want to help. The problem is they don't have any way to get the, 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 the material there. They don't have any way of knowing even what kind of help they need. So we focus on two things. Um, we have a team, a drone team, that uh, first responder drone team. And uh, we've trained these, these uh, young people. It's three young guys in their early 20s, and we've trained them in basic first aid, and and, uh, and they have drones that they go to these cities, and they fly drones over the cities and take videos of what's happened, um, because we don't have media in the Philippines like we do here. It, we know that a storm hit, but we don't have any idea what happened. We don't have any idea what the place looks like. If you search it, you're not going to find pictures online. You're not going to find it on the news. We don't know. So... We send people, myself included, and we go to these cities and these towns and we take videos. We give them to the First Aid, or I mean the Red Cross, Philippine Red Cross. We give them to the government. Uh, We post them online. Uh, We have several agencies use them. Uh, So they know how they can help. And um, they know what the situation is, and they can tell other people. People want to help. Filipinos want to help. They have a servant's. They naturally have servant's hearts. And they want to help. They just don't know how. And so the other thing we do is transportation. We have four trucks that if someone wants to give a bunch of food or b- building materials or whatever, they call us and we load up our trucks and we have drivers and we drive sometimes 12, 15, 20 hours to uh, these cities to to drop off these materials. Otherwise, if we didn't, then these people would have all this food that they wanted to give and no way to give it. And so that's really exciting. Of course, we do this with the ultimate Uh, goal to reach people right and and to show God's love through us you know we we love on them and and help them through this time of crisis and they see God's love and so that's really exciting and so those are the main things I focus on my main ministries and we do church uh, seven days a week on the street our church uh, we block off the street uh, every night and uh, we set up speakers out in the street and and chairs and we have a different preacher every night so I preach on Monday nights um, and we have a student room in the churches and we do uh, free printing and free internet search and, and all that good stuff and, uh, free coffee every morning. And, uh, we have all kinds of ministries going basketball ministries. And so a lot of what I also do is just kind of help wherever they need help. And so that's really exciting. And, uh, you know, uh, the stories, I'll go into the, the stories that Pastor Tom wanted me to share. Um, and I know that you guys are going to love these stories and, and, um, and and these are really, you know, God just does wild things. We all know that, right? Can I get an amen? Yeah. yeah. And so God does wild things to us all the time. And I knew when I was going to the Philippines, I knew that the Lord would, uh, he was going to do some wild things. I knew that. <laughs> and, and so I spent some time preparing myself, preparing my heart for whatever the Lord's going to do to me while I was in the Philippines. And so, of course, you don't have any idea what he's going to do, but you know he's going to do something wild. And so... Uh, like I said, I got back here. And I shared all my stories with Pastor Tom. And, uh, and these were the two that he really wanted me to share with you guys. And, and the first one is really interesting because it happened maybe a month after I got back or got to the Philippines. Uh, in June, I, June 20th, I got to the Philippines. So late July, um, I, I've been to the Philippines. I have a lot of friends in the Philippines. And I have one friend, um, his name is Carlo, and he, he owns a restaurant chain called Don Benito's and it's uh, they sell they sell um I don't know the English for it uh, they sell the the rice it's like rice desserts desserts made out of rice, so sticky rice and all kinds of just weird you would you can't you wouldn't even be able to imagine the different ways of cooking rice that they have in the <laughs> philippines its it's It's just crazy and so hes he does uh the dessert rice, and uh, so he's got all kinds of of stores all through the Philippines open. He's a good friend of mine. And um, they they opened a new corporate office. And uh, the Lord's been blessing him. He's a born-again Christian. Lord's been blessing him and his business for years. And um, and they've just been wildly successful with this business. So they got to open this, sh- this big headquarters, uh, this big corporate office. And they opened it, I think, just a few weeks before I got to the Philippines. But in late July, he called me and he asked me, Uh, and a few other of my pastor friends if we would come dedicate the uh, the corporate office and we said well yeah of course and um, and so you know that was kind of my first experience into doing anything like that I had never really been even involved in a dedication of any sorts and and so I said yeah, you know, God's already teaching me new stuff, right? And and kind of throwing me into to new experiences and and uh, and so it was uh, it was a Friday afternoon and and I think there were four or five of us. We went to this corporate office and I uh, had another American friend of mine and a couple Filipino friends and um and we went and, and they had this corporate office and there were probably 50 employees and um and we went in, and, and we did a Bible study with him. And he told me, actually, before that, he told me the majority of his employees were Catholic, and which is just a common occurrence in the Philippines. If you're talking to a group of people, you can expect that most of them are going to be Catholic. And so, um, and so he told me they were mostly Catholic, so we did a, a Bible study on salvation, on uh, on you know the, the death of, of Jesus and, and the resurrection. And, and, uh, and so we prayed, and... And then after we prayed, it was really went really well, but, you know, I told Pastor Tom that during this prayer time, during this uh, Bible study, there was something off, and they were, they were kind of acting strange. Now, I didn't know what it was, because I had only been in the Philippines for like a month, so I didn't really know the common, uh, you know, how people act in that situation. But I thought, this is weird, and I kind of had a weird feeling, but I didn't think anything of it. And um, and so we got done praying, and we kind of talked, and and we had a we had a lunch together, everybody, and and then he said, hey, there's one more thing I want you guys to do, and we said, okay, sure, what is it? And uh, he walked us down, and uh, the 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 corporate office was upstairs. He walked us down the stairs, and we walked up in front of like a a stock room. This is a restaurant, and it was like a stock room. And it was empty, totally empty, and uh, all the 50 employees followed us there and i thought what's going on here and uh and you know you just imagine walking down 50 employees. and and in manila again it's the most densely populated country in the world so so um the businesses the the houses the buildings they're not big there's not a lot of room so it's always pretty much always stuffed especially if there's 50 people and so we walk down we're standing in front of this room and uh he says i didn't tell you about this but but I need you to pray in this room. And we said, well, why? What's up? He said, well, my second-hand man hung himself in this room two weeks ago. And, uh, and I said, okay. And he said, we don't know why. We don't know what's wrong with him. His family said everything was okay. You know, there's no note. He didn't tell anybody. We don't have any idea why he did this. But we found him, you know, and he hung himself. And we said, okay. And he said, there's no explanation. There's no reason why this would have happened. Okay. And he said, no one has been in this room since he hung himself, except for the people to take him out. After that, no one's walked in. Again, they're very superstitious uh, people, so they believe that they're going to walk in there. uh, Maybe there's evil spirits or whatever, and, you know, they're going to become, you know, they're going (laughs) to. Yeah. And so he said, no one's been in there. Will you go in there first? If you walk in there first, they'll follow you. Okay, sure. I know that I'm armored, right? right? And so I'll tell you what. This is the wildest thing I've ever experienced until now. I I walked into that room. Imagine walking through a door and there's saran wrap, a tangible uh, feeling, a tangible presence of something that's not supposed to be there. And they don't want you there. So there's this saran wrap. You had to really push through. We get in. And I get in and I walk to the corner and everybody else follows. And he says, well, let's start praying. I said, okay, so we start praying. And then these other uh, uh, Catholics, if you know anything about Catholicism, Catholics don't believe that they can pray for themselves. Okay, they can't pray to God. Fifty Catholics in this room praying to God. All right. People on their knees crying, praying, yelling to God. And and at this time, now I'm, I'm familiar with the language uh, they most people in the Philippines speak English but they also speak a native language and I'm familiar with it now at the time I didn't know a lick of their language I knew how to say good morning and good night and so most of them are, are praying in their language but you know you could feel it you knew that they're really praying that that they're experiencing something especially knowing that these people are you know, they don't believe in praying for themselves they're praying for themselves this is awesome so someone says uh, hands me a Bible says read the Bible we, we we need to you know do this we need to uh, dedicate this specific room okay so I opened the Bible and it's in Filipino and so no English in this Bible and I didn't have uh, my Bible my, my, bi- my English Bible was in the other room and, and so instead of going out there and getting it I said okay I'm just gonna read this and I just opened the Bible and I started reading and I didn't have a clue what I was reading I didn't have a clue what I was reading. I didn't know what I was reading. I knew what language it was, but I didn't know what I was reading. And I was reading it, and I could tell that whatever I was reading was affecting the surroundings in that room. And these people are crying, and and, uh, these people are just, you know, worshiping God. And you could feel, it was like a, a weight lifted off our shoulders. You could feel this presence leaving the room. And it was just like that. Minutes of, of praying, reading this Bible. I didn't even know what I was reading. And all of a sudden, it was light again. God was in that room. Afterwards, I asked one of my friends, what was I reading? He said, Mark chapter 3. And when I read Mark chapter 3, it says, when the unclean spirits saw him, when the evil spirits saw him, they fell before him and they cried, you are the Son of God. And I believe that that day in that stock room with those 50 Catholics, I believe every one of us witnessed the evil spirit saying, you are the Son of God. Now that's a crazy thing to experience after being on the mission field for a month. You know, I was, at the time would have been uh, 21 years old okay 21 years old and uh, and I left and I got in the car and I said w- <laughs> I don't know what just happened you know <laughs> what was that you know and uh, I've never heard of that happening I've never experienced that but it was real Amen. this is real you know I said okay this is real this is happening and so I knew from that that second, that moment, that day, I knew that God was going to do some crazy, crazy things. You know, that was just the beginning. That was just the start. And uh, and so, you know, after that, God's just blessing me left and right. And again, it's not always easy being in the Philippines. It's not always easy. You know, uh, there are struggles that come, but God is just there and just keeps showing me all kinds of things and teaching me all kinds of, of lessons and when I come to, the, to America and I talk to pastors, especially pastors that I've known for a long time, the first question they ask me is, well, what's the biggest lesson you've learned in the Philippines? And I genuinely can't answer that question because I learn lessons every day. I experience crazy things every day, and it's amazing. You know, God is just uh, opening my mind and, you know, showing me and experiencing me and learning just, just all kinds of things that I can't even, you know, I can't even rank them, and it's, it's exciting. And so the other story that Pastor Tom wanted me to share with you guys, and, and this, is, this happened probably three or four months after, after this happened with the restaurant. And, uh, and this is, a, I love this story. I've told this story to many churches. And I remember last December I had to come back because I had some issues with my visa. And uh, I was only here for three weeks. And it was crazy how God works because I got to come back for Christmas. But um, I remember I was, spe- I was doing kind of a Bible study at a church in, in Richmond who supports me, and, and it's the pa- church that my parents go to, and I told this story, and, and uh, my, this is the first time my parents heard this story, and uh, they were, you know, kind of, oh no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's going on, and, uh, but this is an awesome story, and I, I've told it at probably three or four different churches now, and, and uh, you know, I'll never stop telling this story, and, and Pastor Tom loved this, and so, uh, as I said, I a I, uh, big part of what I do is disaster relief, and so, when I got to the Philippines, I knew I was going to be doing some disaster relief uh, work. And, um, and it kind of took some time. We, we, uh, we took s- some time to figure out our vision or our, you know, what we were going to do, how we were going to focus. And, and after a few months of being there in the Philippines, a uh, rainy season appeared. And, um, and a typhoon came through the northern part of the island that we live on. And uh, again, we didn't know what happened we didn't know, you know, the no pictures, no videos, no information. But I knew that I had a close friend whose parents lived in locos, which is the city that we know, knew this, this storm went through. And she told me that they didn't have power. She hadn't heard from them. So uh, I had a few other friends who, who lived in that city too. And I said, now's the time. Let's do our first mission. And, uh, you know, and so kind of my idea, we didn't, we, we didn't have the drones yet. We didn't even have the idea of transporting materials. We just had a very fresh calling to this specific ministry in the Philippines. And so it's still a baby ministry, and it still is, but you know, this is the very beginning stages. So I said to the two other guys who, are, who were involved with me at the time, and still are, and, and I said, hey, let's do this. Let's do this, uh, this mission. You know, the, the, the typhoon just went through yesterday. I'm going to go. You know, is it okay with you guys? I think God's calling me to go to this city and figure out what's going on and see how we can help. And they said, yeah, let's do it. You know, if God's telling you to do it, what do you, why are you still here? So I packed some bags, and the next morning I got on a bus, and my friend who had family there had already gone there to check on their family. And so I was planning to meet with their family and stay there, and uh, they knew I was coming. And so I got on a bus and never been to this place, never even heard of it until the storm came through and traveled uh, 12 hours on this bus and got to this city. And I got there on a Sunday night, late Sunday night, about 10 o'clock at night, and and slept, and the next morning I got up and started walking around the city and realized there was literally nothing wrong with the city. (laughs) It was fine. It it looked untouched. They lost power because the power in the Philippines isn't very good. But, uh, you know, if you get a a strong wind, you're out of power. But uh, it was fine. And I said, well, why am I here? You know, and we knew the storm hit this city because we could look at the radar, you know, look at the the map. And and, uh, I said, well, you know, I I don't know what to do now. And so I kind of spent Monday walking around and and talking to some folks. And Tuesday I kind of got up and I talked to my my, uh, partners in in Manila and I I told them they don't need us here. And uh, they said, well, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'm going to see if there's anywhere else that these people might know of. So Tuesday, I spent asking some people, do you guys know anywhere that they need help? I don't want to come 12 hours and just go back to Manila and not do anything. You know, I've already come this far. Let's go for it. You know, if there's somewhere around here that, that needs help, let's go. So I talked to some people, about half a half dozen people said, go to a city called Tegigarau. And I said, all right. And they said, that is... They, that is the worst place. That, that was the most affected by this storm. It's, it's destroyed. And I said, and a bunch of people told me that. So I said, all right, it must be true. And so I called uh, my friends in the Philippines, or Manila, and I said, hey, I'm going to Tegigarau. And they said, are you sure? And I said, I'm sure. This is where God wants me to go. And they said, are you sure? And I said, yeah, I'm sure. And they said, okay, you know, be, be careful, be safe. And they actually thought that my friend was going with me. They weren't. They were going back to Manila. So I got on this bus, traveled another eight or ten hours to Gigaro. To so at this point, I'm 22 hours away from Manila. And only been in the Philippines for about four or five months. And uh, didn't really, I knew a little bit of the language, but not really. And, and uh, didn't know anybody in the city, didn't know anything about it, never even heard of it until now. But I knew that that was where the Lord was calling me. You know, I knew that that was what God wanted me to do. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go. You know, and and uh, so they're all like, all right, you know, be careful, be careful, be careful, and okay. So I got there. Again, it was probably nine or ten o'clock at night, and uh, the bus rolls up to the city. And as we're rolling up, th- the place is destroyed. I mean, there's 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 houses literally just on the ground, just totally collapsed. I'm going to show you a video when I'm done here, and uh, and there's some photos of of that trip, and I mean, th- this is literally the worst I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, the house is destroyed. Gas stations, like Shell gas stations, literally just uprooted, just, uh, you know, upside down. Uh, there's transformers in the middle of the road and lightning poles. It's flooded. And, and um, you know, people people's homes are destroyed. And we're looking at them with just like a, you know, a tarp. Like you, they went camping with the Boy Scouts or something, you know. They're just laying, sleeping under a tarp. And, you know, I've never seen anything like that. So I'm already, it's just like, wow, you know, and so we pull up and we get to the bus stop and I get out and there's no power in the city still, you know, and so there's no power and the cell phone towers aren't working and it was dark, there's no cars on the road at this point, everyone's asleep, you know, because they don't have power and I said, I don't know, (laughs) okay, now what? You know, I said, all right, God, I'm here. I did what you told me to do. Now what? You know, it's 10 o'clock at night. I don't know what to do. And so I just started walking around. And I knew that they had told me that, that, that some places in the city had generators. So there would be some places that, uh, that had power. You just had to find them. So I just start walking around the city, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And uh, I'm walking and walking and walking. And I walked past this little cafe with the lights on. It said Wi-Fi on it. So I walked in. And uh, turns out the owner's a Christian and nice lady and everything. And and so I I sit down, I start looking up hotels. I had a budget, you know, some money that I could spend for this mission. And and so I'm looking at hotels and I'm finding out that hotels, because they had to have a generator and there aren't many in the city that had generators, are very expensive. Very expensive. I can't afford it. So I'm already kind of stressing out, which is a sin. I know that, you know, I'm aware. But I'm kind of starting to stress out. Like, man, I can't afford to even sleep in a hotel. What am I doing here? And uh, so I'm looking and looking and looking. And I finally found the cheapest one, which was still over my budget. And uh, I went ahead and booked it, and I was about to go figure out how to get there. And I noticed as I'm sitting there, there was uh, uh, across the cafe was a Filipino guy, probably in his 30s or 40s, sitting with, uh, with, uh, with another fella. And uh, I knew he wasn't Filipino, but I didn't know where he was from. And uh, we kind of made eye contact. And the, the guy said across the cafe said, hi. Uh, hi, how are you? And he said, well, can we join you? And I said, yeah, sure. So they come over and, and uh, they ask me who I am, what I'm all about. And I'm telling them I'm a missionary I'm from America. You know, I'm here to do this mission, this is a disaster relief mission. Turns out this guy says he's a Baptist pastor. At a Baptist church in uh, in that city, and that his friend was from Uganda, and he was a missionary to the Philippines, and so I'm like, "That's awesome," you know. And so we start talking and talking. We talk for thirty minutes, and it's getting late. So I said like, well, I, "I need to go. I need to get you know find my hotel." And he said, "Well, come with me. I'll take you to the hotel." And I said, "No, no, no. It's fine. I did not know this guy." You know, I didn't know who he was, and I didn't know if he was really a pastor. Y- you know, y- you have to be careful when you're an American in a foreign country. You don't know anything about it. So I kind of got my guards up, right? And, uh, and so I'm being cautious, and I said, no, it's okay. He said, well, what, ho- what hotel are you staying at? And I actually told him another hotel than the one I was staying at. Uh, <laughs> be, you know, I'm just kind of, I don't know what to do in this situation, Right. And so, uh, I'm like, well, you know, I really, it's okay, I can find this, I can find it. I appreciate the help, but I can find it. And he says, no, 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 let me take you there. And I said, I appreciate the help, but I am gonna, I can find it, it's okay. And he said, but I, I have a car out, let me take you. And I said, really, it's okay, I can, you know, I can take a taxi. And, and he said, well, no, 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 I really want to take you. And at this point... This is really looking kind of suspicious, right? And I'm like, man, I appreciate the help, but I can find it. And he said, Okay, but let me take you there. <laughs> and I said, you know, I just don't think so. And he said, Well, let me at least take a cab with you. You don't have to get in my car. I get it. That's kind of weird. Let me let me accompany you in the cab. Let us accompany you in the cab. And I was like, man. <laughs> Okay, fine, you know, all right. And uh, and so I said, all right, we, you can go with me in the cab. So we get in the cab, and we load up my stuff, and the African and the the, the Filipino are with me, and, and we're talking the whole way. <coughs> and he says, um, you know, he tells the, the cab driver the name of the hotel. About halfway through, I realized I told him the wrong hotel. So <laughs> how do you get out of this, right? And so, <laughs> and and he was and the worst part was he was speaking their their uh native dialect which isn't filipino it's another language to the cab driver that i don't know any of so i really didn't even know what he was saying to him so i'm just praying you know, god please keep me safe in this situation like (laughs) i don't know who this guy is i don't know what's going on just just keep me safe and um We pull up to this hotel, and I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do, and I'm going to say to this guy, this hotel is expensive, and I can't, there's no way I can afford it. And he says, Well, before you go in, I know the owner, I'm going to go in and talk to him. Okay. And he goes in, and he comes out, and he says, All right, you're good to go. Gives me my bags and leaves. And I walked in, and they said, Okay, you got a 50% discount. It's now just $10 a night. And that's, you know, $20 $20 a night in the Philippines is really expensive for a hotel. $10 a night it was about, was actually under my budget. So you know, that was the first prayer answered. You know, I'm stressing out about, about money, not being able to stay in a hotel. And, and this guy said, hey, I, you know, let's go. And he knew the owner, and I got to go under my discount or under my uh, budget. And that was exciting. So I'm already, you know, yeah. wow, thanks, God you know, sorry for doubting this guy, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but you know, uh, God is a, a graceful, a merciful God, and he understands, and, uh, and so I didn't know that that wasn't the end of it, and so when we were in the cab ride, um, he, they both added me as a friend on Facebook, okay, both of these guys, and I actually have a picture uh, with these guys, we took a picture together outside of the cafe, they added me as a friend on Facebook, and the next day, uh, they told me the, the church that they were pastoring at, and I decided I'm going to go to that church, and I'm going to thank them for this help, right, for getting me involved uh, and getting me this discount and um, and see if they maybe wanted to, to help out with this mission. So I go, to, I go to this church. It was called Victory Baptist Church. Found it online. I went in. And, I mean, he was able to tell me where it was, what it was next to, the business it was next to, the street and everything, and I went in. And I talked to him and I, I, I asked him, you know, where's this pastor? I want to talk to him. And they said, well, we've never heard of him. And I said, well, he's pastors here. And they said, no, we've never heard of that guy. And uh, I said, well, surely you've heard of him. He's a pastor here. And, and she's like, sir, we don't know the guy. You know, I'm sorry, but we don't know who he is. And I showed him a picture. And, and the guy from Uganda was also a missionary with this church. And they said, we've never seen either of these guys. So I'm like, what's going on? And, you know, we know these guys are good guys because they, you know, got me a 50% discount. They helped me out. They got me, they're safe. So, you know, why would they lie about that, right? And so I go back to this cafe, and now I'm thinking, this is weird. And I go back to this cafe, and I ask the lady who was working the night before. I said, hey, what was up with that guy who was sitting here talking to me last night? And she said, what guy? I said, what do you, come on. You know, is this a big prank? And she said, I don't know what you're talking about. You were here alone. I said, yeah, but there were those two guys that came and talked to me. They were sitting over there. And she said, I have no clue who you're talking about. So I pulled out my phone. I showed her a picture. She said, I've never seen those guys. I said, well, they were drinking coffee. She said, I didn't give them coffee. Okay. And so I get on Facebook And they were friends on Facebook. You know, I got a little confirmation where it said that they added me, accepted me. I got on Facebook, and they're gone. They're off of Facebook. I can't find them. These people don't exist. I go back to the hotel, and I ask the owner, Hey, this guy came in last night and said that he knew you and got me a discount. He said, I don't know who you're talking about. We just knew you were a missionary and wanted to help you out. Entertaining angels, <laughs> entertaining angels. Can you believe this story? I mean, uh, Pastor Eric. Imagine twenty-one years old in a country you've never heard of, in a city you've never heard of. This is happening to you. Blow your brain. It blows your brain, man. I tell you what. I never even thought about angels before. You got it. They're there. And they're there. You know, and this was just awesome. So the rest of the story goes. I uh, I, I start walking around the city, and and um, and I um, I end up finding this pastor who was related to my head pastor at the church in Manila. Uh, he was a cousin or something, and I just happened to stumble upon him, and um, and uh, walked into his church. And it turns out he's related to, to my uh, head pastor, and we start talking. And he says, "Well, let's let's you know partner." And so I said, okay, and, and so we kind of talked about the needs of what we can do. We had a budget. We only had $200 budget to help in whatever way this city needed help. It's a pretty big city, and um, at least, c- you know, the Philippines is a big city. And, uh, and so he said, well, we've got some families who really need help, and fa- some families in the church who really need some help. And I said, well, let's go, you know, can, can, we, can we meet the families? He said, yeah. So he took me out to one specific family. Traveled about 45 minutes, maybe an hour. We drove out to their houses, way out in uh, the country, you know what we would call the country, and out in the boonies. And, and uh, we pull up and, and we walk in and, and this family, um, they 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 apparently had been riding bicycles to work or to church because they didn't have a car. They couldn't afford a car. Now it took us an hour in a car to get to this house imagine riding a bicycle, get this, 90 years old, riding a bicycle to church, I mean, I don't know how long that would take, I don't ride bicycles, but, (laughs) so it's a 90 year old woman, and her her daughter and and husband, who were in their 30s, and then their children, who were all under 10, both, two, two children under 10, and, um, and basically what happened was they were on the edge where the, of the city where the storm was absolutely worse. Like the, the worst that it was, they experienced it. And, um, and I talked to this 90-year-old woman, and she talked to me in, in Filipino. She didn't know English, but, but I remember her saying to me, she said that, that they, the storm came and within minutes their roof was just peeled off. You know, like Wizard of Oz or, or something. You know, you watch a movie, and the roof just peeled off like a soup can. That's actually how she described it. It was like opening a can of soup. That was how it peeled off. And, um, and then the, you know, boards started falling off. And, and they had a tractor. They were farmers. And they had a tractor, and, and there was a big metal rod, probably, I don't know, five or six feet in the tractor. So their tractor was ruined. Okay, and they, they had a rice field in the back, and I don't know, probably five acres or ten acres. And, and um, it was flooded. Their rice is ruined. That's their income. That's their money. That's how they make money. So they, they, their home's destroyed, literally destroyed. Okay, their tractor's destroyed. They probably, their o- what, what is their only financial asset is their home and their tractor destroyed. And their, 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 their farm, their rice field is destroyed. And that's their, 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 the way they make money. You know, they have to wait till the next uh, harvest to, to plant their rice again. And, and so how are they going to make money? How are they going to have a roof? And, and um, they were sleeping. They had sawhorses, two sawhorses with a big piece of plywood that they were sleeping in every night. Okay? They didn't, literally didn't have a roof on their house. And a uh, 90-year-old you know, woman, which is uh, not safe, and uh, two kids under 10. And it's still raining. It's still cold. You know, the storm's still on the tail end of the storm. So it's raining all day, every day, all night. And they're just sleeping under this piece of plywood. And I talked to this 90-year-old woman. And she said, it's okay. She said, that it's okay. The Lord's going to provide. And she said, I'll tell you something. She said, she told me. She looked me in the eyes. She said, I'm 90 years old. And the Lord is teaching me lessons every day. And she said, this is just another opportunity for me to have faith. It's going to be okay. And I said, well, you're not worried at all? No. And I said, well, what were you thinking when the storm happened? She said, I was just excited to see what God's going to do. <laughs> Imagine, 90 years old, you're sleeping under a, under a piece of plywood. Your house is destroyed. Your income's destroyed. And you're saying, God, what are you going to do? <laughs> That's awesome. And so I said, all right, I want to help these, this family. Let's go all in. You know, we were going to give like $200 of food for the whole city, like buy like a pound of rice per family or whatever, or some nails for each family. And I said, no, let's help this family. And so I told the pastor, I said, let's, let's do this now. You know, I got to get back to Manila. Uh, I was, you know, I have school to attend and uh, I can't miss any more classes. And so I said, let's do this. I want to help them. He said, all right. So we got in this truck and we drove back to the city. And uh, we pulled up to this, uh, this hardware store and we walk in and the owner says, you know Pastor John. And I said, yeah. I met him my first night here. He took me to the hotel. He said, we're going to give you a discount. With $200, we bought enough supplies to give them a brand new roof for their whole house. Totally fix their house. Just because of this guy who I was too afraid to even get in a car with. You know, how crazy is that? Yeah, the guy that wasn't even a guy. <laughs> and this is, I was there for a week in this city. And I mean, and so all of this happened over the time of a week, about six days and so long story short we we got the the materials back to the house and uh i couldn't stay to to help build the the roof and i wouldn't be very good in that anyway and so um so luckily you know filipinos are uh, again you know they have servant hearts and and they have a great sense of community so they all kind of came together and helped rebuild this roof and and um and i left and i got to see pictures and uh, I got to talk to them on the phone each, a few times afterwards. And, and so it's really awesome, though. I mean, this, this this story, this week, that God was just there. You know? I mean, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I didn't know where I was going. I was just an American who knew that God wanted me to go to this city. And I did it. You know, all we have to do is obey, and God's going to do the rest. And and God showed me in radical ways That he was with me. You know. He showed me in crazy proportions. That he was there. And that this was his will. This was his work. And that was exciting. That was so exciting. Through the whole week. God had just shown me. And and I believe that was a lesson in many things. Especially faith. You know. He sent me an angel. He said just have faith. Get in the car with him. You know. (laughs) Just get in the car. Little did I know. That this guy was gonna you know take me through the whole week all up to buying building materials for a family that didn't have a roof you know we know we know and I'm sure you preach on this all the time we're in a spiritual warfare right I don't care if you're in America you're in the Philippines you're in Africa you're in Germany we're fighting a war you know every day all of us and It's so exciting, those little victories in restaurant stockrooms and, you know, in hotels and coffee shops. These little victories during typhoons, during 90 year old women who say, I'm excited for what God's going to (laughs) do. It's those victories that remind me and keep me encouraged that we are going to win. Right? We're going to win amen and uh you know i am so blessed to be able to be here and share these stories with you guys god is doing this through me in manila philippines but i know that he's doing this in newcastle indiana amen there's battles in newcastle indiana okay and he's using us to fight these battles and we're winning battles and we're gonna win the war right we're gonna win the war and it's exciting it's so exciting, and so, you know, it's these victories that keep me reminded, you know, why God's called me to the Philippines, and, uh, and I, again, I'm so blessed to share these stories with you guys, and, and uh, Pastor Tom, Pastor Eric, and such a blessing for me, and, and, um, and so again, I'm going back in February, and I tell you, you know, after th- these two stories, who knows what else is God, God's going to do, you know, I've learned that every day I wake up, and I'm just like, all right, you know what's gonna what's gonna happen today. And it's exciting. And it's exciting. And it's 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 an awesome life. And God is just working in my heart and hearts of people all around me. And uh so I thank you guys so much for the opportunity to be here. And I hope that these stories touch your heart.